What I want to speak about this morning, and you're probably going to have to stay focused to get hold of this. I'm going to give you scripture. There will be a bunch of scripture as well as revelations that other individuals have spoken about. This is by no means exhaustive, even close. In fact, I wondered if I needed to wait a long time before ever even going here. And then the Lord really started to give me an unction to do it. And then I had this picture in my mind of Chelsea painting. And so Chelsea is going to paint what we're going to talk about. For some people, visual will help them to understand something. The other thing is that, again, this is not exhaustive by any means. We could probably teach for a week on this and hope to get a revelation of what it's all about. We want to talk about the cross of, of Christ. A.W. Tozer, how many know who he is? Famous preacher, uh, writer. He said this. It becomes the devil's business to keep the Christian's spirit imprisoned. He knows that the believing and justified Christian has been raised up out of the grave of his sins and trespasses. From that point on, Satan works that much harder to keep us bound and gagged, actually imprisoned in our own grave clothes. He knows that if we continue in this kind of bondage, we're not much better than when we were spiritually dead. There's not much change. He lived from 1897 to 1963. That quote came from a book he wrote called The Pursuit of God. The devil wants to keep us in a place where we're no better than before we were born again. We're still imprisoned in the same lies, same deception. We don't know what really happened at the cross. And so we're hung up there. Now as the Lord woke me at 515... He said to me, what people don't do is like, um, what's that, CSI, all these different programs. What they do is they go back to the scene of the crime to investigate the crime to try to find the evidence of what really took place there, don't they? They want to know the truth. So there's all these shows about that. And he said, for the most part, my church just accepts the fact that they ate something in the garden and died, and they walked away. They just embrace that as a history lesson back there, and then they don't even go back there to investigate what took place there. What really took place there will help you to understand what took place 
4,000 years later on Calvary. The both are connected, but in order to understand the one, you need to understand the other. Then he told me this scripture. He said, We are not to be just hearers of the word, but doers. Now, when he said that to me, he said, you understand that people, when they hear that scripture, they believe right away in doing. That means they're still under, bound into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their mental understanding. So right away, they think that means I must work out my salvation. Don't be just a hearer. Be a doer. So I must do something then, right? But what we don't recognize is that Jesus, in John chapter 1, it says, Jesus is the word of God made flesh and dwelt amongst us didn't he he was with God and he is God God's word was opened up in a body called God is salvation that's what Jesus means God is salvation he's a message what does word do it's a message That's who it is. God is a pretty creative guy, isn't he? He creates a person in our likeness to unpack his truth and his word to us. It's like this word is made alive in the person of Jesus to reveal to us truth. The thing about Jesus is he was alive. He was living. And so that means, think about this, whatever the word did, it happened, didn't it? Jesus laid hands on the sick, they recovered. He spoke, and the sea calmed. What are we looking at? Let's get away from the man for the moment, just for the moment. You're seeing the word out of the mouth of the Father, performing exactly what he says. Exactly what he says. Everything Jesus ever said and did happened. Why? Because he was a manifestation of the will of the Father. I do nothing of myself, he said, only what I see and hear the Father doing because I am the Word. I'm the Word. Don't be just hearers. Be doers. So we could say that about Jesus. He wasn't just a hearer of the Father. He was a doer. Do you see he didn't do? He manifest. He manifested 
what he was spoken, he was the revelation of it. Do you see that? The Father speaks out of the Word. Because it's the Word was made flesh so we could actually see it. And he says, be healed. So God the Father goes, be healed. And the person's healed. But of course they are. We're talking about the creator of the universe. How can't they be healed? How far removed are we from this? Is Christ not living in you? Are we not the word made flesh in the darkness? Christ in me, the hope of glory. Why must I learn to dance with him? Because I need to move out of presumption. I need to move out of religious. And I need to get to the place where I am dancing with the master. Where I become the word of God for my generation. In my darkness. Does that make me Jesus? No. Does this make me a son? Yes. I am one with Christ, aren't I? Are you not one with Christ? You're not sitting over here at the sidelines. You are in or you're out. Either in or out. You don't get no options. No third option. In and out. Why then is this thing, Jesus, so, so, so important called believe? There's something powerful about this. We call it faith. We break it down. But it's really just... I believe. I remove the shadows of unbelief. I believe you are the creator. I believe that I'm not wrestling with something. You, whatever you say, Red Sea, split. It splits. It's not a biggie for him. He holds all things in the palm of his hand. 11-year-old boy dies, sees God. He's holding the earth in his hand. He said, God is big. We need to see God is big. What is Christianity? What about the cross? It's not about our behavior, for this would be based in the law, and we'd be able to judge something if it's a Christian or not. I'm not talking about fruit. I'm talking actions. Fruit of the Holy Spirit is in you and me, or you don't have Jesus. It's that simple. In a row. You can't earn the fruit. And we'll get there. So you cannot judge something by its actions. It can't be looked at if it's bad or good. Or else you're still sitting at the foot of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The very place we fell and you're still operating in deception because you're no longer attached, if you're a Christian, out of the same mentality of the fall. 
You see, he says in Matthew 7, chapter 1, or sorry, verse 1, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. Your standard of measure will be measured to you. When I read that the first time as a young Christian, I thought, all right, we need to be merciful and I need a dump truck. I don't want a teaspoon because I'm going to need lots, so i got to be merciful. Right? It's true. If you judge and everybody thinks that that might be the day they die and they go before God. No. When you judge here, somebody, it releases something called sowing and reaping. And then all of a sudden others are judging you for the same thing. And you're wondering, what the heck happened to me? Out of your mouth, you release these things onto yourself. Judge not, he said. But, you, but Lord, that's what I've always known. Yeah, that's what the devil said to Adam and Eve. If you partake of this, you will be like God, and you will know the difference between good and evil. What tree are we partaking of? The one tree, if you see on the left, the whole human race is in it and in its roots. And that's the fruit it's bearing. It's not about good and bad. It's about what tree are you in? On the right, there is the tree of life which is Jesus Christ himself. And the thing that stands in between the two is the cross. Injected in time, at the very right time, the very right moment to fulfill something. To make a way where there was no way. To cut us free from the original tree. But... As A.W. Tozer says, we get cut if we're born again. And then we remain at the foot of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, trying to be good. And then we have preachers in pulpits fortifying the lie. It is a doctrine from hell. It is. Because it bears no fruit. There's no fruit there. What Jesus say? Blind leading the blind. Blind leading the blind. Listen to Romans chapter 6, verse 3. He says, oh, are you ignorant that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him through the baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also, get this, might walk in newness of life. Notice this has nothing to do with going to heaven at the moment has nothing to do with you dying and getting into some other third dimensional place. It talks about a change that's going to take place in your life. When you get uh, cut free because of what Christ did. Because of what the Father did on Golgotha. 
we become united with him in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Is Jesus resurrected? Or are we waiting for him to be resurrected? This is the word of God. You can wrestle it all day long. Are we waiting for Jesus to be resurrected, or has he rose from the dead? He's rose from the dead. So then what do I think i got to wait for? What am I waiting for? This isn't about getting to heaven. This is about a supernatural thing that took place 2,010 years ago. A powerful thing that took place by the creator of the universe. Way more than the forgiveness of your boo-boos. A death blow to a satanic thing that took place that's holding humanity bound to that original tree. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. What? The old man was what? Crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be done away with. So we should no longer what? Be in bondage to sin. For he that's died is justified from sin. If the old man's dead, why, when the devil comes to talk to us about him all the time, do we want to have the discussion at all? What can a dead man do? I can go down to the cemetery in Stratford. I can call them all kinds of names, and nobody's going to get up and beat me up. They're dead, gone, zip, finished. I had a dream quite a few years ago. And in the dream, I went back in time. So I did. I was standing at the side of the road, actually sitting in some bleachers with some other Christians. And I was watching myself come down the street in Barrie, Ontario. I was 18 years old at the time. I'm now in this vision probably in my 30s. And I'm looking at myself, and I remember being there. I remember what I was saying. I knew where we were going. I, I remember the whole thing. And as I'm sitting there, I realized one thing. I wasn't him anymore. I was a completely transformed person. So I thought, oh my gosh, i got to tell that guy. I better go tell him what's going to happen. Because I was really amazed at like, what was in his head, because I knew what was in his head. It was me in the past. I knew what he was all about. I knew his hurts. I knew his disappointments. I knew the shallowness of what he was about. So I jumped up off the bleachers, ran to tell myself. He went into a variety store. I ran in behind, and I couldn't find him. He was gone, and I woke up thinking that was really a wacky guy. Pretty cool, though, but a little weird. And so I never really understood it. I've, I've, I did, in part, start to get it, and then I have more and more began to understand the exchanged life. The whole thing of the Lord on the cross. So as a young Christian, I have this vision. Susan and I are in the kitchen. I'll never forget it. The Holy Spirit falls on us. And we're like, 
Woo, right? And faith was there. I'm in the glory. I said, I got to get a Bible. I got to get a Bible. We were young Christians. I ran in the other room to grab a Bible because I thought, hey, I can ask him some questions right now and get some answers. So I'm in the Word, and I'm flipping the pages, and I go into this vision, and I look, and I, I see cross. I see Jesus on the cross, and then I look again, and I see me. And I went, whoop, what's that? What the heck is that? There was John crucified on the cross. And I thought, this makes no flipping sense, God. Makes me a little nervous, too. I just deposited that in my heart, going, okay, I don't get it, but boy, oh boy, that was a great high. I was blasted. We were having a good time. Do you remember that time when we were in the kitchen and the presence of the Lord hit us and we we're like two little kids, let's get the Bible and let's look and this is the vision he gives me. And what he's talking about is John, 2010 years ago, when I was hanging on Calvary, I just, as you accepted me, as that car was rolling in 1974, I just took the old man and I crucified him with me. At that moment, you died. The old man died. He doesn't exist anymore. That's why in Barry, you've seen him. He doesn't exist. And at that moment, when I rose from the dead, you rose with me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, and so are you. John, you are not attached to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man. You are grafted into me. It's time that we learn what that means. And that's what he wanted to do, is to begin to teach me who I was. That I could learn not to listen to Lucifer anymore. Because I spent so many years then sitting at the foot of that tree. Everybody fortifying the lie. You sinner. That guy's dead. I need to understand Romans 6, 7, and 8, what Paul's expounding and packing to me. I need to know what that's about. Colossians 2. Uh, verse 11, in whom you were also circumcised. You see, God uses all these earthly terms. Right? If you're a fisherman, he talks to you like you're a fisherman, so you might just, he can just like lift your head a little bit and begin to bring light. This is a complete different creation. Many times we're being taught by an old creation about a new one. Paul said, who's bewitched you? Who lied to you? You don't even know what happened. You're still drinking milk when you should now be eating meat. You're working on the, the primary principles. Time to move on. What more in our day that we could begin to embrace the, the words of what he's telling us and then let him unpack it in the spiritual realm so we can begin to understand what the heck he's saying to us. Because he said it in the song this morning, freedom, counsel. 
We get freed at the cross. We get counsel from the heavens, from the Lord himself, and we get breakthrough. Revelation brings breakthrough. You get released. Then you need the revelation that you are released, and then comes the breakthrough. This has been 30-some years for me. I think I'm ready for the breakthrough. I want the breakthrough. I'm sick and tired of listening to the voice of the devil and thinking it's God. He comes, Jesus said, he comes looking like me. He's an imposter. He's not the word of God. How do we know the difference? He will have a form of godliness. He will have all the trappings. But it's not me. He denies the power of Calvary. He denies what took place inside you. And you do not partake of it. Listen to this brutal, brutal thing Paul tells us about. Circumcision would probably never be a nice thing to happen. In whom you were also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. In the putting off of the body of the flesh, carnality. In the circumcision of Christ. Christ is the circumcision. Having been buried with him in baptism, you are now raised with him through the faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead through your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, right? You, I say, did he make alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, not a couple, not a few you got to work out yet, blotted out the bond written in ordinances against us, literally a legal thing that was against us. And then he says this, it was contrary to us. This is not, a sinful nature is not your normal state. It's not who you are. You're not a sinner trying to be good and holy now like God. You are someone that got bewitched and nailed to a tree and God himself came. He cutting away the circumcision of his own flesh in order to come to you and say, it's finished. Take off that. That's contrary to who I am. That is not the way I created you. God does not create junk. Genesis 1 and Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created perfect, not dark and void and destroyed. Genesis 1-2, huge gap in between. War took place, left in desolation and darkness, and then God said, let there be light. God came into the midst of it to change things. Huge gap in the middle of those two verses. Massive gap. A whole war took place. Otherwise, God seems to have a problem stuttering. Because he creates and then he recreates. It was contrary to us. He's taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to 
the cross. Done. Finished. Out of the way. We need to begin to be in agreement with Christ, who's the word. We need to be in agreement, not just hearers, doers. God speaks. We sit around and listen. What if Jesus did that? He's after a whole generation. He's after the devil's butt. He's not doing an arm wrestle with him. He wants to crush him. He already did it. All he has to do is tell the good news now. First to the church, who's gagged, then to the world. Maybe it'll be easier to the world. I know it was when Jesus showed up, the word showed up last time. They weren't listening. The believers didn't listen. They ignored and didn't even recognize the day of their visitation. Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, you, me, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It's all yours. You know the cattle on a thousand hills? Those cattle are yours. You don't twist his arm for something he gave you. You know, somebody gives me a gift and then I try to get it out of their hand. Huh? Even as he chose us in him, where? Look at this. He chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before any of it started. He already had chosen you crucified and resurrected out of this mess. He already knew. You, that you should be holy without blemish before him in love. Having foreordained us, God foreordained us as what? Sons. Sons of the living God. Adopted sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the pleasure of his will. The pleasure of his will. You, there's neither male nor female, we're all the sons of God. We're the sons. Fordained beforehand. Now listen to this little story for a moment. Might help you a little bit to, to understand something about yourself. Mrs., we'll call her Miss Bates and Dick, right? He says, will they offer their natures to God? The question whether the natures they offer or withhold, talking about salvation, right? At that moment, whether they're nice or nasty ones is secondary in importance. God can see to that part of the problem. To convert rebellious wills cost a, a crucifixion, his crucifixion. And because they are wills, they can, in nice people just as much as nasty ones, refuse his request. Right? He's offering something. How many know nice people, but they don't believe in God? Very nice people. We must, therefore, not be surprised if we find among the Christians some people who are still nasty. 
There is even, when you come to think of it over, a reason why nasty people might be expected to turn to Christ in greater numbers than the nice ones. That was what people objected to about Christ during his life on earth. He seemed to attract such awful people. That is what people still object, object to, and others will. Do you not see why? Christ said, Blessed are the poor, and how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom. And no doubt, he primarily meant the economically rich and economically poor. But, not, but uh, do not his words also apply to another kind of riches and poverty? One of the dangers of having a lot of money is that you may be quite satisfied with the kinds of happiness, money, uh, and a lot of it, uh, can get you. And you might fail to realize your need for God. If everything seems to come simply by signing a check, you may forget that you're every moment totally dependent on God. You won't know the truth. You see, for me to get words out of my mouth means that my heart must beat and my lungs must function. And the only reason they are right now is God is permitting it. He's doing it. I can't even breathe without him. If he doesn't like what I'm saying, he could just shut my mouth by giving me a quick heart attack and drop me to the floor. And that will end it right there. But if I'm really rich and in need of nothing, I will think I'm a God in myself and I will have a hard time knowing I have a need. That's why he comes to the weak and the foolish and they seem to be open much quicker than those that seem to be dependent on their own understanding. Thinking they were wise, what he said? Oh, they became foolish. So, if they make any attempt at goodness at all, they learn double-quick time that they need help. Is Christ or nothing for them? Is taking up the cross and following or else despair? There's either a warning or an encouragement here for each one of us. If you're a nice person, if virtue comes easily to you, beware. Much is expected to those whom much is given. If you're gifted, much is expected of that. If you mistake for your own merits what really God's gifts to you through nature, only if you are contending with simple, if you're content with simply being nice, you're still a rebel. And all those gifts will only make your fall more terrible. Your it's funny how we celebrate the greatness of who we make idols in our time. But when they pass through the veil, it's not like it is here. Much is required. What did you do with that gift? Oh. Your corruption more complicated, your bad example more disastrous. The devil was an archangel once. His natural gifts go way above ours. Way above. Like ours go above a chimpanzee. He's gifted. Matthew 19.30 says, Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. See, there's a paradox here. As long as Dick does not turn to God, 
He thinks his niceness is his own, and just as long as he thinks that, he is not his own. It is when Dick realizes that his niceness is not his own, but a gift from God, and when he offers it back to God, it's just then that he begins to be really his own. For now, Dick is beginning to take a share in his own creation. The only things we can keep are the things that we have freely given back to God. What we're trying to keep for ourselves is just what we're going to lose. You see, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the good side is just as evil as the evil side because it's the nature that's in fallen humanity. If you partake of this, you will be as God. Did God not say? And down went the human race. Colossians 2.10, and in him you are made full, who's the head of all principality and power. In him you are made full. Romans 11.16, important that we use scriptures so that you see what the word says. The word being Jesus. Romans 11.16, powerful scripture. Listen to this. If the first piece of dough is holy, is Jesus holy? Then the, the lump is also. If the root is holy, the branches are too. If the root of the tree of life, Christ made manifest, the living tree. If the roots are holy, so are the branches of that tree. Then Paul gives us a little, or John gives us a little understanding. In John 15, he goes, verse 4 and 5, he reflects what Christ said, what the word said. And he said this, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do anything. So now, if we're grafted into the tree of life, I'm a branch, adopted branch of that. Then if God, Christ, the root, the tree, the, the vine is holy, then I'm holy. Or the word's a lie. I know it scares you to hear somebody say that. I'm perfect and I'm holy because I've been the old man was crucified with Christ. The new man that I've put on is resurrected in Jesus. I'm not waiting for the body to drop to the dirt. Something powerful happened 2010 years ago. We'll get to what the storm is with you. Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20, I, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. 
It's no longer I who lives, the I, the old man, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in my physical body, my flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself up for me. Gave himself to be the circumcision of God. God cutting away the flesh, the fallen part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil on a mountain called Zion. If you look at, there's two mountains in the Old Testament, right? Sinai and Zion. Sinai is where they received the law. Zion's where David was worshiping. And I got a short string. John 1.4, he in him, Christ, was life, and that life was the light of men. The lights have to come on. Otherwise, we're still wandering around in the dark trying to find the door. The lights have to come on. Why? Because Christ is in me. His life is in me. Jesus lives in me. The life of God is in me. The Holy Spirit the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the very person that's inside God the Father is inside of me right now. He's inside of you. Not in some nice little terminology. In reality, I partook of, of Calvary, but I've also partaken of the resurrection. I'm changed. C.S. Lewis says, for mere Christianity, or sorry, for mere improvement is not redemption. Mere improvement, getting better, is not redemption. You can be the nicest person on the face of the earth and not be redeemed. Still be grafted. Though redemption always improves people, even here and now and will in the end, it will improve them to the degree we cannot yet even imagine. God became a man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce a better man of the old kind. And that's kind of where we've been bewitched right there, right? He, he didn't come to try to make a better old man, but to produce a new kind of man. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. Of course, once it has got its wings, it will soar over fences, which could never have even been jumped. Thus, beat the natural horse as its own game. But there may be a period while the wings are just beginning to grow when it can't do so. And at that stage, the lumps on the shoulders, no one can tell by looking at them that they are going to be great wings, may even give an awkward appearance at the beginning. And it's like we walk in this awkward appearance because we don't know that we've been made alive in Christ, that our spirit has been awakened and that we are spirit men living in a physical body, that I have access. On Sunday, what we're doing is accessing the throne room, accessing what the Lord promised me in Costa Rica the courts of the Lord. What are the courts? It's coming into a place where those in the earth know they can go with the angelic host and getting directions from the master. 
We want to do the waltz today, John. Okay, Lord. I'm not real good at it, but I'll try to keep your hands and watch I don't step on your feet. When I had a car accident and I had this death experience, in my mind at that time, life was about a weigh scale. I go to heaven, there's this weigh scale, and if my good outweighs my bad, I get in. Woo! You'd be surprised how many in the world have this theology. I don't even know where I got it. I guess I got it at that tree. But the thing is, I would say, as, as I was in this place in this dimension with God I was crying out I'll do it different I'll be better I'm not such a bad guy please please give me another chance it's amazing what we look at like a death's door but you see what I was doing was completely he's probably standing there going oh, this man is so grafted into that tree. We're going to have some real work on this dude because he thinks he's going to go back to be good, which sucks because it's just as evil as his bad side. Ah, let's just kill him. Let's raise him from the dead. And then hopefully, oh man, it's going to take a while, but I got this thing in 30 years. Woo! He's going to start catching on. I'll plant some seeds along the road and we'll play crossword puzzle when we get there. All right. Jesus says, I think it's a grand idea, Dad. Let's do it. And that's what's been happening to me over the last month. It's like these inklings keep happening. It's like I'm in the, sh the bathroom brushing my teeth and whoo, it's like, whoa, what was that? What was that? And these memories are hitting me in this presence of the Lord. The kingdom is, is coming and grabbing around me. And I'm like, what is happening? You're waking, Johnny. You're getting awake now. You see, this isn't an estranged land that you're awakening to. This is your home. You know this place, John. That's why this feels like a memory. Because it's me. It's me. I'm your breath. I've been with you your whole life. Your whole life. Ooh, I like it, God. I like you. Oh, you're not foreign. Your home isn't foreign. It's my home, isn't it? Yes. Oh, it's so good, Dad. So good. Where have I been? You've been lost, my son. You've been blinded. I awakened you. And the blind kept teaching you and kept you away from me. But you're coming home now. I'm awakening you now. Oh, Jesus. 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 There's just something about that name. There's something about the word of God that must do what it's sent forth to do. It can never return to him void. What is it doing in you? What is going on in you? John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh of carnality and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus answered and said, I tell you the truth. 
And when you see the word of God say to you, I tell you the truth, it's good to listen to what he's about to say. Because he's about to take a sword that's sharper, it says, and stick it in your heart and open you up to the reality of what he's about. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Why, Jesus? Because flesh gives birth to flesh. Carnality gives birth to carnality. Witchcraft gives birth to witchcraft. And he says control is as witchcraft. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised, he says, at my sayings. You must be born again. He goes, the winds blow wherever they please. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone that's born of the Spirit. Why is it that the carnal people have problem with those that are moving into the Spirit? Is because what Jesus said right there, they cannot understand. They will not understand, and they don't want to understand. A full revelation of the word brings a full manifestation of the spirit. That's what I want. I want the full manifestation of the spirit of the living God. What, what um, Paul talked about. What happened with Moses, man? He goes, don't even talk about it. It's not even worth talking about. What was Paul experiencing? See, we don't think he was. He was into some stuff we don't know about because he was walking in the spirit. He's saying, I can't be with you that day in the flesh. I'll be with you in the spirit, meaning I'll just transport and I'll be there. I'll talk. I'll be there. There's things going on that we don't realize when we read this because we read it in our own understanding. We have no idea what's really going on. Who are you? You're a spirit. Here's one little bend you. Six, six, six. The number of the beast. Two thirds. Those living out of the soul and the physical realm, even churchy, form of godliness. That is the beast. That is the mark. Those that are writing the books about the mark got the mark. Because they're producing fear. Jesus said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So if you're partaking and eating something that's producing fear, what tree is it coming from? That ain't coming from the tree of life. Be careful. Who's teaching and bringing what into your life? 
The beast is all around us. Adam Becker speaks of this passage that I was just speaking about in the New International Version. He says, I tell you the truth, when Christ said in the verse above that spirit gives birth to spirit, Christ wasn't talking about the spirit being found in a 12-step Romans road process that meets all the modern theologians' approval. And he wasn't talking about saying a prayer or accepting what he did on the cross and reading your Bible once a day as the way to be born of his spirit. Christ had more in mind, or he would have laid it out for us, and then um, in that verse, for it could have been uh, confined to reason or a 12-step program, a a 12-step process, then he surely would have laid it all out for us, that we, knowing all the time people would be reading that verse, not to mention the man Christ was speaking with Nicodemus. Which, uh, it says, would have liked a process. Nicodemus wanted a process and an answer, didn't he? With the reason. He said, well, what does born again mean, Jesus? Do I have to return into my mother's womb, you know, and come born again? That was a crazy thing for him to say, wasn't it? That was big faith. How do you do that? It's, he was basically going, man, I can't even track with you, brother. What do you mean? And so what does Jesus say? <clears throat> Instead, Christ said of the Spirit. Oh, well, let me back it up. Nicodemus would have liked a process and for an answer with reason for it all to line up with the Old Testament scriptures. That's what he was looking for. Instead, Christ said of the Spirit, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it? You hear its sound? You cannot tell where it comes? Or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This cannot fit into man's understanding, even the understanding that we have from the epistles and the rest of the New Testament. It can never fit into anyone's theology in a 12-step process. It comes in and goes out. It's wind. It's the Holy Spirit. We've been just like little children learning even how to recognize him and walk with him. Like little kids. It's kin- we were in kindergarten learning this stuff. But at least we've been trying. And that got us in a whole lot of mess. How dare you follow the wind? Don't do that. Huh? What did they do wrong? Listen to this. Philippians 3. Paul says, beware of the dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. What, Paul? There's a false circumcision? Those that act like they're circumcised of the heart? But yet they're not, they're false? He says, for we are the true circumcision, what? Who worship the Spirit of God, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in our carnality, in our flesh. Although, and then he addresses the Jewish people, because they're thinking at that point, yes, but I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, and I'm this, and I'm a, I'm a Levite, and did you know? He knows what they're thinking. 
So then he goes, and he goes right to where they're at. He goes, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I have a way more than you. I'm circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews to the law. I'm a Pharisee to the zeal, a persecutor of the church, to the righteous of the law, found blameless. Okay, now we got, you got our attention, Paul. You just plowed by all of us. You're out in the lead now. We get it. Now I got, you got my attention, Paul. What are you talking about? And then he goes, whatever things were gained to me, all those things I just told you about, those things I've counted as loss, I've put them in the trash. What for, Paul? For the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all these things to be loss in the view, something's in my view, of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, in whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, as dung. Why, Paul? So that I might gain Christ. I can't work these things out. Later he goes, I'm the chief sounder trying to get through the truth again. I can't work them out, but I can gain it free. I can gain it free. It was a tough time for him to have to walk in that season of human history and what was around him. He said, may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through Christ and faith in him, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. In other words, everything I have is a gift. All I have to do is believe. I'm good? No, God's good. I'm righteous? No, God's righteous in me. 1 John 3, verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away your sins. In him, there is no sin. Are we agreed? No sin in Christ, right? No one who abides in him sins. Huh. John, you're a tough guy, man. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Now, at this point, everybody in the room just slid off the slide, right? Then he goes, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who's born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Now, he's talking your nature. If I've been removed from the knowledge, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which the very nature, the, the very life that's flowing up through the tree is sin. It's separation from God. Not living in the spirit, but living in carnality. Right? 
then the fruit that I'll bear will be a sinful nature. Make sense? Sinful nature. When I'm cut, circumcised through Christ's cross, crucified, born again, resurrected with Christ, I move to the tree of life. I'm now grafted into that tree, Paul says. And the life that's flowing up inside of me now is the life of God. If I say I'm a sinner, I'm saying Christ is a sinner. How can I be grafted into the tree and abide in the tree? The way John wanted to get to us here is using the terminology practices. In other words, desires. Romans 6, 7, and 8. Paul in Romans 7, 6, transformation. 7, he's trying to understand. He goes, why do I do the things what I don't want to do? You mean there's no desire in you to do those sinful things, Paul? No, but I'm doing them. What do I do? The very things that I want to do, what desire to do, I don't do. What will I do? Christ. Romans 8.1. There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Zip, gone, done. A lot of us find ourselves in Romans 7 with Paul. Understanding what John said, we do not desire, because it's not our nature. But Paul said, renewing of the mind, by the hearing of the word, being transformed into the likeness of Christ. It's your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. If I teach a little kid that no is yes and yes is no, I'm going to ask him something, he's going to give me the wrong answer. If I tell the kid he's stupid all his life, he'll believe he's stupid, even though he may be a genius. Sad, eh? So if the devil keeps telling you you're a sinner, then he has you sit at the bottom of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil trying to be good. And he goes, woohoo, stupid people. Look at them. Jesus hit me right square between the eyes, and I'm, they don't even know. This is wonderful. I mean, it really sucks that he took me completely out of the picture, but at least I can still keep these people thinking something that's not true. So if you renew your mind to the truth, guess what? How many thought about robbing the neighbor or raping his wife yesterday? Come on now. Let's just call it where it is. Anybody got a desire to do that? No. But yet the devil will mess with you and have you on your knees repenting for something that you didn't do probably before the end of the day. Do we need to ask God to forgive us? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit convict us? Yes. Not about what's in us. He may be convicting you right now about what's really in you. Come up here. Where is up here? Out of the dung that Paul was talking about. Being the head, not the tail. Repentance, John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was saying to the Jews, turn 
from the Old Testament understanding to the Old Covenant because a brand new covenant is coming. Light is shining through the man, Jesus Christ. Turn from your paradigms and look into the light. That's what he was saying. He wasn't going, God is coming because you are bad and you must be good. Otherwise, he was a preacher for Lucifer. Make straight the way of the Lord. If the church gets a hold of this, man, half the songs we sing are lies. They just keep you in bondage at the bottom of the tree. And the devil loves church. He loves church. He gets in probably to sing with us. Because he keeps us bound. Paul said, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. Paul would say, is the presence of Christ in your midst? Is he moving? What is happening? If he's not, you may want to relook at what you're actually doing. It's all there. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. For this reason did he slay him, because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Why were his brothers' uh, things righteous? What did Abel do? He brought a slain animal for his sin. He didn't work the land and bring his good works to God. God was starting to reveal right in the midst of that a truth. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. <clears throat> that one cost Martin Luther a lot. That one little light right there. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It happened to him on a road. And he got a little light. So he took it home to the midst of the big church of the day. And it cost everything. What will this cost? Ephesians 1, 9 and 10, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in Christ. With a view, Paul said, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. There is an administration. The Holy Ghost is an administrator. <clears throat> he has the gift of administration. Oh, he is the gift of administration. And it's not about doing books. He has an ability to administrate a mystery, it says, in the fullness of times. <clears throat> He's going to bring something about orchestrate it that has not been seen before. It's just like they heard about the Messiah coming. They'd heard it prophesied. They'd read it in the word. And then this guy, Joseph's kid, shows up. And they miss it. And it says about Jesus, in the fullness of time, Christ was born in Bethlehem. 
He wasn't born a second too late or a second too early. It was at the fullness of the right time. And in this same passage, it's talking like that. In the fullness of times, what is it going to do? Sum up all things into Christ. Things in the heavens and things on the earth in Jesus. The summing up of all things into the tree of life. 2 Peter 1.4 Whereby he has granted unto us, and I'm almost done, <clears throat> his precious and exceeding great promises. Wow. He has granted to you and I his precious. His promises are precious. And they're exceedingly great. That through these, the promises, you and I might become partakers of what? The divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that's in the world by lust. The promise of Calvary that we might partake of the divine nature of God living in us. Two points. One being as we worship and fix the eyes of our heart on Jesus and then see him in many different revelations. We see it on Sunday morning, don't we? We're trying to come together in unity to fix our eyes as one on the very heart of Christ by loving him with our whole heart, our whole mind, and all of our strength in the midst of the voices of the enemy who doesn't want us to get free, in the voices that have been seeds deposited in our lives, by taking the word and washing ourselves like he was washing Rosanna, right? <clears throat> that we might begin to see him in different revelations, the lion, the covenant, like the rainbow, but yet all the colors, colors, when they brought together, they make white. I believe that opens the door to him that starts as a small spray. And when we take notice of it, you have to take notice of that small spray that comes in the room, right? When we begin to take notice of that, when we begin to pursue it, that spray will turn into a river. Then a flood, like the smoke that fills the throne room. You see, it starts somewhere, and it breaks open. That's what we're doing. We're trying to fix our eyes. That's a big one. We're trying to come into unity. That means we all have to be in agreement in a revelation. <clears throat> and as we do, then we begin to experience by our whole hearts loving him, which is basically all we did this morning, is love him, a spray. Now, we have felt that spray a few times during the service today. But the spray will turn into a river, then a flood, like what you see coming gushing in through the top of the ceiling. And then the very smoke that's in the throne room which is what we were beginning to experience at your house. You see, it's right here. 
We just have to be awakened. We're not trying to get Christ to come down from somewhere like he's riding some pony just to the right of the Milky Way. Hey, man, we're doing this church thing. Could you come check it out? <clears throat> nah. He's right here waiting for us to lock, waiting for us to believe. If you believe, he said, you will see. First the spray comes and you go, I think that was the Holy Ghost. I'm dang sure it was. Then it comes in like a flood. Whoa, my God, I can barely stand up. But where we want to go is we want the veil completely lifted and we're standing in the throne room of our daddy. And the smoke that filled the temple begins to fill the room. Hey? Hmm. And while the smoke's filling the room, People are wondering why they're feeling better than they ever did and they're jumping out of their hospital beds and the hospital's emptying down the street. Why? Because the glory is going out of the building because God has said, I've found a people who will believe my word. They are not just hearers, but they will do. Do not just be a hearer, but a doer. That means like Christ not just hearing the Father, but being the very expression of that word. That's what a doer is. Just let it manifest in you and walk it out. Manifest it. That's all he's talking about. He quickened one last thing. Well, let's do one more scripture. Yeah, I like it. A little one. The first man, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and I'm not used to chords, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Jesus is the second Adam. Why? He's the firstborn of a new creation of which you and I are in right now. We're not of this one. We're in it, but we're not of it. We're of a new one. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As it is, uh, the earthly, so also are those who are earthly. And heavenly, so also those who are heavenly. We take on the heavenly nature and realm of Christ. Because that's what he's done in our lives. I'll tell you what destiny is. Destiny is the choices you make today. Yeah. Think about it. Destiny is the choices you make today. What you decide unfolds what happens to you tomorrow. The things, decisions I made in 1978 affected where I'm standing right now today. People think that destiny is grabbing a gift and running into a field. You can prophesy and go to hell. You can prophesy and be earthly. You can heal the sick and be earthly, carnal. That's not the big hurrah. The big hurrah is to be in love with Christ, the giver of the gift, not the gift. 
The gift is Christ. He's the prophet. He's the teacher. He's the evangelist. He's the apostle. He's the pastor. He just manifests whatever and whenever he wants to do. It's his gig. If I'm still running around trying to get some gift because I want to be recognized or have you like me, I'm still hanging on to that silly tree. I don't care about those things. I know that the things that have happened in my life in the last 30 years have been preparing me for what I'm going to do in the next. And the choices I make today will affect what I'm going to do tomorrow. But the desire of my heart... Mm. Okay. I end with this. The Lord gave me a word when we were on a ministry trip in Ohio a long time ago. I don't even know now what year it was. I think it was before Costa Rica, but I'm not sure. We did two trips to Ohio, right? Yeah, I think so. Seems to me we did. But maybe I just really liked it. I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? Were you on both of them? <laughs> Almost had you. All right. <clears throat> I was going to get you into the same illusion. Um, the Lord said to me, quicken this thing to me. And he gave me scripture for it. And then he went and took it away. Because he didn't really want me to teach it yet. And I'm, I'm not, but I think I'm just going to cross over the bridge for a second. And that is, he told me that the word, and my frail understanding at the moment, that the word was going to take precedence in the future. And he said, the word is going to become uh, active in living. And I said, oh, Really? And then he gave me a scripture, and I looked it up. I remember in the bathroom, I was looking it up, going, woo, right? And I read it. And he, he was saying that, you know, it's like word and spirit, right? And we understand that kind of thing, don't we? But slashing around in the Logos ain't going to do you nothing. What he was talking about was, and he quickened this to me in the night with the, don't be just a hearer, a doer, was, John, this is what I was talking about, man. This is it is that when you hear and you step out, that word will awaken the people in front of you. It will do what I send it to do. You thought being baptized or blasted by the Holy Spirit was something. Wait till you see the Spirit and the Son moving like an atomic blast. It's when you stand to talk to somebody and you begin to say something, at that moment, their heart is just, it reaches right into their heart and just transforms them like that. The lights come on, they go, oh my gosh! What did you say? That's the word of God. Not that you go out with some new concept, but that you go out transformed, changed, not just healed, awakened from the dead and walking in newness of life. Everywhere Jesus went, that's what he did, didn't he? Everywhere he went. Hey, man, I've seen you in the tree. How did you know that? Everywhere he went, 
That's because he was the word of God, the word of the Father, transforming and changing everything in front of him, including the word of God, went to the cross to circumcise the old man, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and to graft all those that would come, if you can, the word says, come and receive the new birth, the resurrection. That the nature that's in you, if you're honest with yourself, does not desire hatred, anger. You may suffer and fight with anger. It doesn't mean you desire it. Right? Lust. Whatever it is that the enemy's battling your mind with, the first great blow to understand is, I am not that. That is contrary to who I am because I am part of a new creation with the very divine nature of God himself in me. The fruit of being grafted into Jesus Christ is joy, peace, love, kindness, self Control, patience, all these things are fruit of being grafted, not fruit of you being good to get it. Because you cannot be good. If you think you can be good, you didn't hear a word I said today. Because the devil has still has you sucking from that tree. You were never to be good. You are to be dead and raised from the dead. So if we would learn to live out of what's within and we would allow the word of God, the living word of God, to transform us, we will begin to walk in fullness. Do I believe that we can be perfect? Absolutely. I will step into that today. Yes, I do. Because I'm not waiting to be good. I just need the good one in me, Christ, to be fully in charge. I want to quit wrestling with the devil to try to be good. When he comes to me and says, John, you did this. That's right, man. You're right. But I'm not him. He died. Have a check it out. You can slip out of time, right? Why don't you slide on back 2010 years have a wee check when you got your head kicked in? A death blow, it says. A death blow. Let's stand. Father. Holy is the Lord. The giver of life, the transformer of all things. We love you. We love your presence, Father. And I'm so thankful, Father, that you're my dad. I'm so thankful, Father that the passion inside of your heart came forth in the expression of your son. Oh, yeah. That you didn't leave me 
in the dark. You didn't leave me crawling in the dust. But you came and gave it. You came and were crucified. You invited me to come and die with you that I might live. If I try to save my life, you told me that I would lose it. But if I was willing to trust you and lose it, I would gain it. These things are, are so great and so precious, I can barely even touch them and understand. I catch glimpses, only glimpses, of your greatness, Father. I taste, Father, of the well-being and the very home I've come from. I'm being awakened like Sleeping Beauty to your love. Oh, how great you are. How wonderful I can barely explain. What kind of love, what kind of love is this? My brother, Jesus, what kind of love is this? That you cared enough to come and be the door to bring us who were bound in captivity to back home to dad. We are a royal priesthood, kings of our Father. Lord, we stand in a place where we ask that you would penetrate our beings with light. You would awaken us to the reality of the word that I shared today. Quicken it, Father, inside of us that we might begin to be loosed from the enemy's hold. Like A.W. Tozer said, that we will reckon ourselves dead and resurrected in you. And that we will stand with our eyes open in faith for the smoke to come and fill the temple, this temple. And Father, we are willing to be lights wherever you want us to go. Help us to make choices today that are in line with your destiny as sons. Help us, Father, for where we are weak, we need your strength. Don't let this be Greek to us. But let this awaken, awaken, awaken our spirits. Let our minds be enlightened. 
and let us begin to go free. How good you are. How good you are. Just begin to tell him how good he is. Just take a minute or two. I know I went over a little. I can't apologize. He hasn't finished dancing, so. Test the word. See if it be true. And if it is, enter into the dance. Enter into the dance. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Look how he answered. Rosanna had these questions inside of her heart. And he did it. He was faithful. It's a word to you. It's not something to freak out about like, oh, she got it, I didn't. Oh, she's farther, I'm not. It's the word revealed an invitation. He's inviting all of us into the dance. He wants to open our eyes where you are. What if all the time we're in this ballroom <laughs> and the poor man, Jesus, is standing in the center of the ballroom? Oh, God. This is what I'm seeing right now. Jesus is standing in the middle of a ballroom and the bride is rolled up on the floor. All the guests are all around. And he says, this, this, this is my bride. But his heart's sinking within him. Come, my bride. Why do you lay on the floor? Who has beat you up? Who has beat you up? Take my hand. Take my hand. Come up here. Come up here. I want to dance with you. I love you. I love you. Some of you, you can feel the anointing coming on you in that. He's saying that to you. I love you. Please, please, come up here. You are not who you think you are. You're my bride. Come and dance. Let us dance the dance of romance. Let me hold you for a while. I'll hold you close as we dance. 
I'll speak in your ear who you are. <laughs> I'll tell you. Can you believe me? Will you believe? Go ahead, let him take you in his arms. Just let him love up on you. He's cleansed us and brought us into his house. And we lay on the floor like we're in rags. And we're not in his home. We wait for something he's already done. Come up here. <laughs> 